Good morning. Good morning. Morning, morning, morning. Oh, all right. It's good to wake up on a Sunday morning and get together with the saints and to hear from God's word, to be encouraged from it. Um, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 1, and we're going to finish this section. Um, uh, our section here for today is going to be just verses 13 and 14. Um, and we want to talk about the section of, of the blessings that God gives us in salvation and he divides it by uh, his three personhood, that which is from God the Father, that which is from God the Son, and God the Spirit. And today we're going to be talking about God the Spirit. And it's going to be talking about specific things about our lives. Notice in verses, um, uh, blessed be, uh, verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him. And from that section we saw, that as a review, to praise the Father because he planned your salvation. God, in his infinite wisdom, in his infinite effort, brought together as he was, he is one in person, I mean, one in, one in essence, three in person. He came and he counseled with the other persons of the Godhead, and he planned your salvation. So we see in that section, to praise God, Praise the Father because he planned your salvation. Notice in verse 7, it says, In him we have redemption through his blood. And simply saying that is, that is the Son's work on the cross. Jesus paid for our sins by redeeming us. That is, he paid the price for the penalty of our sin. In this last section, we see verses 13 and 14. Verses 13 and 14, and I'll read that for you. In him, you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession, to the praise of his glory. Let's pray. Father, Father in heaven, we come before you. We are a people who, is, who are needy. We want to hear from you. We want to hear from your word. We need to hear from your gospel. We need to hear your voice through your text. Lord, encourage and feed your people. May they be a people who uh, are secure in their salvation. We thank you for the security you give us by your spirit. We ask that you would help us. In Jesus' name, amen. Oftentimes, when I'm sure you probably heard this or I was asked this question uh, before we headed off to India and we had brought all of our kids the question that they always ask us, not uh, sometimes it, it, is, it isn't, even from believers, it's not, okay, what kind of opportunity will you have to preach? Or how many folks will you be able to reach the gospel? I think that the question that is always on people's mind, and I think because they love you, right, is, here's this question, is it safe? Right? 
Is it safe? You remember, perhaps maybe if you were packing up to go here, they would ask, well, how is that place? Your neighborhood. You know, when people ask about what kind of neighborhood to live in, the question that is always asked is what? Is it safe? Why? Because there's this fear of losing, losing your property, losing your life, losing losing, uh, losing your valuables, losing your lifestyle. There's always this fear of losing. And sometimes in this kind of uh, fear, you make decisions based on fear, sometimes you might see your salvation like that. Okay, I'm saved. Uh, God saved me, but you know what? I'm not so sure. You know, uh, perhaps maybe you know it in your mind, but if you've sinned or you've done something, you feel like maybe God, maybe I'm not as saved as I used to be, or I, I don't really feel saved. Have you ever been there? You've sinned, and then maybe you feel like, Maybe he's going to change his mind about me. And I'm not going to be safe anymore. My salvation is not going to be there anymore. But you know what? By God's grace, he doesn't want the Christians Christian to live like this. He doesn't want you. If you know the Lord Jesus Christ, he does not want you to live this way. He wants you to live securely. He wants you to make decisions based on truth. He wants you to make decisions based on a secure relationship with him. And so in this passage, what we're going to look at specifically is that God gave this passage to you this morning so that you would glorify the Spirit for protecting your salvation. God gave this passage to you this morning so you would glorify the Spirit for protecting your salvation. We remember the Father planned your salvation. The Son purchased your salvation. The Spirit protects your salvation. This is a wonderful assurance by God's grace that you will never lose your salvation. I remember this is, a, this is a very trying thing on people if they don't know where they stand with God. I remember uh, the DaCostas were ministering to a couple who came out of a church where they didn't teach that. And the, and the husband always the next day when he sinned, he felt, oh, am I saved or not? Did I lose my salvation or am I not? And it does. what it does is it lacks stability. It lacks firmness. You can't make any decisions. You're always afraid. You're afraid that you will lose. What? You're afraid that you will lose salvation. You're afraid that maybe you're not as saved as someone else. Or you're afraid that maybe you don't have as a right standing before God. But let me tell you, brothers and sisters, let that be put aside. Because God has given His Spirit to convince you finally and fully that you have a right standing with Him. Notice, before we go on, the whole meat of the passage, the heart of the passage, is this, verse 13. If you remember, we want to look at the independent clause, the clause that stands by itself. And in verse 13, we see in him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, here is the heart of the passage, brothers and sisters. You were sealed in him. You were sealed 
in him. And this is the permanent work that God has done upon you, if you know the Lord Jesus Christ. He uses this term sealed. Now, when someone comes to faith, you notice it's in the past tense. You were sealed. And it is in the passive voice. That means you did not do this, okay? You didn't earn the salvation in the first place. So if you didn't earn it, you can't lose it. That's what he's saying. He's saying you were sealed. This was a work done upon you by God. Now the word seal, the word seal is an interesting word. It means to make secure, make something secure, to mark, to confirm. To stamp. It was a mark of ownership, preservation. In ancient Greek texts, they used to, uh, that were not even in scripture, they used to say we would seal the delivery uh, for our transport cargo. It was the last thing that you did to the cargo before it was sent, and it ensured its transport and its safe delivery. Important documents would be folded. And a glob of wax would be put, just like in, the, in those movies you see, a glob of wax would be put on the end of it, and sealing it, they would take their signet ring and stamp it. And the signet ring showed their personal symbol and the letter, and the letter would be delivered knowing it was not tampered, so long as the seal was intact. The seal was used in Matthew chapter 27 when, um, when Jesus was buried in the tomb. They rolled the rock over the tomb and they put a Roman seal and whoever broke it was supposed to be killed. That seal was only, uh, was only supposed to be opened by the Romans. Now God says this about the Christian. He says that he has his permanent marking and surety for your safe delivery. I think that's phenomenal. I think that gives me courage. I think that gives me boldness. I think that gives me security. I think that frees me from the praise of man. Do you understand how this works? If I am right in God, and if his decision upon me because of Christ and what he's done on the cross, if that is sure, locked, unchanged, cannot be altered, then I know that, there, that I, it doesn't matter what people think of me. Because I am right with God. And that's not going to change. Even if you screw up. Yes, even if you screw up. God still will use you. He still will bring you home. That's incredible. Now notice he says. It's, uh, God says his permanent marking and his surety for your safe delivery. That is for your ultimate and final salvation. Is that he has sealed you. Not with clay. Here's, here's what's amazing. The seal. Is not with clay, it's not with wax, but with himself. By sending his own spirit to indwell with you. Now, this Holy Spirit will ensure your final delivery. This Holy Spirit identifies who will complete this. That is him. Give glory and honor to the Spirit because he protects your salvation. God the Father planned it, God the Son purchased it, and God the Spirit protects it. Amen? Amen? Amen. Now, to glorify the Spirit for protecting your salvation, you have to realize these three important truths. Now, the first truth here, if you have notes, the first truth here 
is to receive your security through faith. Receive your security through faith. Notice in verse 13. In him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, past tense. This is an already past experience of a believer. This is someone who has placed their faith in Christ. You have no confidence in the end of your life. You have no confidence at the end that you will be saved unless what? You have placed your faith in Christ. And Paul makes it very clear. This is for those who believe. Now, notice what he says about receiving security. God grants this security. It is a byproduct of of forgiveness in him because Jesus himself paid for it. But it is a byproduct. What is the byproduct? That I know. I finally can put put it to rest. That even the sins that I will do, God will still bring me through if I truly do believe in him. How do you receive this security? You have to be first. You got to be teachable. You got to be teachable. Now, if the gospel has been presented to you and you keep rejecting it, you keep saying, no, that's, how about, uh, that's not for me. The word here says, in him, you also, after listening, you have to listen. Listening doesn't just mean having the, your ear uh, hear the words coming out. Listening means being attentive, following. Holding on. There needs to be a humble obedience to the gospel. You cannot hear the gospel if you consistently fight its message and its proclamation. You fight its proclamation by not allowing the gospel to be sounded forth. You shut your ears. How do you shut your ears to the gospel? You don't go where the gospel is preached because it's inconvenient or uncomfortable. Or when you do hear where the gospel is preached, you say things like this. I'm glad I'm glad that it's doing this in your life, but it's not for me. I'm glad it's doing it in your life, but it's not for me. Or I'm just fine. Here's a question. How can you have God's comfort, this is God's comfort, if you won't listen to God's word? This is for those who've listened and believed. Not because they've had their own merit in and of themselves, but simply because God has given them ears to hear and you listen and believe. You have to be discerning. How do you receive security through faith? You've got to be discerning. But notice, it's not just listening to anything that you want or listening to the things that you desire or listening to things that are agreeable to your own personhood. You have to be discerning. It's to the message of truth the gospel of your salvation. So he says, notice in verse 13, he says, in him, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, he equates the two phrases, okay? The message of truth is the gospel of salvation. This means that the gospel, the good news, that's all it means, is absolutely and utterly, utterly reliable. You could bank on it. You can give your whole life on this. You can believe this. This is the truth. The gospel is called the message of truth. This means that there is no falsehood in it. This is why Jesus said, I am the way. 
the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. See, in this age of social media, everybody has an opinion. Everybody does. And the way that it's presented in our culture is that everybody has an opinion and everyone's opinion is, is uh, equally valid. That is just not true. It's not equally valid. There's some people who scream the loudest and their opinions don't really matter or they're just completely dead flat wrong. And what God is saying by his word is all those philosophies that cloud your mind and all of the social media that is coming at you and all of the music that is in this world, brothers and sisters, what can you bank on? Young folks, what can you really believe? Is this faith just my mommy and daddy's? Or is this mine? What can you really believe? The Bible calls itself the message of truth. Now, are you going to believe it? Are you going to base your life on it? Or are you going to secretly reject it in your own head, in your own compartment of your mind? Have you seen it to be true yourself? gospel of truth. The only authority on God is God. How can you, the created, tell the creator what he is like and how salvation ought to be? Stop telling God what you think fair is. He declares the gospel, the good news. He determines what is true. Now let's talk about, take a look at this phrase, the gospel of your salvation. God says that true security only belongs to his people who believe in his gospel. He makes it very personal. He says the gospel of your salvation. This is how you were saved. Someone shared it with you and you believed it. Now what is the gospel? Very simply, that there is a holy God. That man, because of his sin, has offended him. Man has rejected his own holy creator follow his own desires. He daily rejects God's graciousness and goodness when he lives independently from him. God the Father sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for the sins of man. The payment for sin was placed on Jesus and his righteousness was placed on his people. And in order for you to receive his gospel of salvation, you must truly you must trust fully in the Son's work on the cross as your only means of salvation. And that's it. That's the gospel. You have to be trusting. Notice he says here, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed. He talks about this in Ephesians chapter 2 a little bit more. That this is not a work. This is not an effort of man. You don't uh, pull yourself up by your own bootstraps and then all of a sudden can protect yourself from the wrath of God. He says that this is simply received by faith, by belief. That word there, belief, is really trust. Look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. He says, you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world. He says the way you used to live, the way you used to be, is you were dead to God in that 
you had no feeling towards him. You had no desire to please him. You didn't want to hear his word. You didn't want to go to church. And what God has done is he says here in verse uh, 4, but God being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, he made us alive together with Christ. Hallelujah. But how does he, how does he do this? He says here very clearly, verse 8, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not as a result of his works, so that no one may boast. Verse 8 says it very clearly. You've been saved through faith. And that's the same word. That's the same word in verse um, 13. Believing. Faith. Believing. In other words, this salvation and part of that salvation is the protection that God uh, gives to you of that salvation that you will finally make it. That salvation was granted to you simply by faith. By trusting that Christ died on the cross for my sins. That is just the pure gospel. That's what we believe. That's what we proclaim. And that's what we hold. Now, receive your security through faith. You are not safe. You are not safe. Friends, you are not safe if you don't trust in the Savior. This is not yours. And I can't tell because I can't read hearts. Maybe uh, young folks, maybe you might be coming up in a Christian home and mom and dad share the gospel over and over and over and over again. And maybe you can look and smell like a Christian. But God says here, if you don't own Christ yourself, you don't have this security. And I can't see your heart. And mom and dad can't see your heart. Your friends can't see your heart. Are you really his? Do you really believe in trust? In Christ. Security, eternal security does not come from investments or alarm systems or car alarms or firearms. Security comes in trusting in Christ for your eternal salvation. So number one, receive your security through faith. Secondly, affirm your security by the Spirit. Here's what's fantastic. That God not only... It's amazing. He gives you two witnesses. It's not only the objective truth that I believe in the gospel and I know that I'm saved. That is true. You could hold on to that. You could die. And, and you, you can be sure. But God goes even further than that. He wants you to be so convinced that not only he gives you his word, which is more than enough, what does he do? He gives you his spirit. Affirm your security by the spirit. By the Spirit. Now, notice he says he says here in verse 13, the gospel of your salvation, after having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise. This is his indwelling. The Holy Spirit comes permanently to take his residence in the believer when you get saved. At the moment of salvation, he comes to reside in you. Permanently stay with you. And what the Holy Spirit does is, as you walk in this pilgrim life, He mediates the very presence of Christ so that you actually say, Oh, I am saved. I am His child. I am walking with Him. There are many ministries of the Holy Spirit. Let's just uh, take a look. In Ephesians chapter 2, 
uh, verse 17, if you notice there, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 17, he came and preached peace to you who are far away and peace to those who are near. For through him, we both have our access in one spirit to the Father. One of the ministries of the Spirit is he ushers believers into access before God. Another one is in verse 20, 22. He binds believers together and enjoys their presence. And in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 20, having built on the foundation of the prophets, Christ Jesus himself, the cornerstone, in whom the whole body being fitted together is growing into a holy temple, in whom you also, notice, are being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. So what brings us together this, the, the, the ministry of the Spirit here is that He brings us together. It's amazing, you know? Even as we're doing this work together, brothers and sisters, what binds us together, what commits us together is not simply, I just said it, that's why I'm going to do it. It is a supernatural work of God that has caused us to go beyond just family lines, but to have a new family in Christ that says, I am bonded to you supernaturally by God. I hope you see it that way. That's the way you ought to see it. Uh, in uh, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 5 and 6, in other generations was not made known to the sons of men as it has now been revealed to the Holy Spirit and prophets to the, in the Spirit. So he, the Holy Spirit reveals truth to believers through his word. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 and eight, uh, 14 to 19, you can see there, it says here, verse 15, uh, verse 16, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and that you being rooted and grounded in love. In other words, the spirit's job, he takes this, he takes this upon himself. He says, I will strengthen the believer to continue believing in Christ so that they would be flooded with how much Jesus loves them. It's amazing. He wants you to be convinced every day. Sometimes I ask, uh, I ask uh, my kids, okay, how many times did I ask you, how many times did I tell you I love you today? And I know I probably said it 10 or 15 times already but they want to hear it more. So they go, one, once, right? And I, and I always wonder, why, why do you want to keep hearing it? Why? Because you need to keep being what? Affirmed. Believers need to keep being affirmed. Husbands, wives need to keep being affirmed. Wives, husbands need to keep being affirmed. Why? Why? Because we're such ornery beings that our sin and our moodiness and our emotions cause us to think differently. Jesus, by his spirit, wants you to know, look at this. He says that you may comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge. The spirit wants to convey that to you, that Christ Love cannot be thwarted towards you, cannot be stopped, cannot be changed. He loves his saints. And it's a joy to tell you that. Amen. Amen. We're just looking at different ministries. Notice he unifies believers in peace. You can write Ephesians 4, 3 to 4. 
He reminds believers of personal nature of sin. You could write Ephesians 4.30. I like this one. Look at Ephesians 5. I'm just looking at Ephesians, okay? Look at Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18 to, uh, to 19. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. He fills the believer, right, such that they explode in song. Is that amazing? One of the products of the Spirit of God working in someone's life is that they sing songs to Jesus. Verse, uh, chapter 6, verse 17, Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. In other words, He wields the Word of God through believers. And verse 18, He teaches us how to pray. With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. So we have a lot of these ministries of the Holy Spirit. You understand? The Holy Spirit is integral in the believer's life. But in this facet, this is what's wonderful. Go back to uh, Ephesians chapter 1. Here is his ministry toward you. And I pray this would be his ministry toward you this morning. That he guarantees He's guaranteeing you the final and ultimate culmination, complete, absolute salvation from sin. I think that's sweet. I hate it when I'm still struggling with sin. I can't stand it. I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassed to talk to my kids and my wife about my sin. When they point things out about me and they have to talk to me, I'm embarrassed. Who likes that? Do you like it? I don't like it. But what I what I do love is I, I know that God is working on me and I'm still a work in progress, right? But I know that there will be a day, brothers and sisters, because God has said it, because Jesus' blood is on me, and because the Spirit dwells within me, that there will be a day where I, I will no longer be in the presence of my own sin, of the sins of others, and I will be with Jesus. And I'm going to make it, not because of my merit, but because of what was promised to me, and I cling to that. I hope you cling to that. I hope you cling to that. So that you can face, yeah, I messed up. But there's a God who can fix me and change me. And He is re He has redeemed me. He is redeeming, redeeming me, and He will complete this redemption at the end. Amen? Amen? Hallelujah? There's my hallelujah. Hallelujah. Is there not joy? Amen? Okay. That which has promised. When you are saved, the Holy Spirit comes immediately to dwell in the believer. You can write this down. 1 Corinthians 3.16. Do you not know that you are the temple of God, that the Spirit of God dwells in you? Okay. 2 Timothy 1.14. Guard through the Holy Spirit who dwells in us the treasure which has been entrusted to you. That is the gospel. Okay. So God, the Holy Spirit, now resides. He takes residence in the believer. This is a new and permanent condition, and it's a constant reminder that God has not left him and God is not through with him. You know by the Spirit's indwelling presence 
that God will complete your final and total salvation. He is the Holy Spirit of promise. He's going to finish what he said. This is God's word. His word would not be thwarted. This is what he promised. He's going to do it. He's going to fulfill it. Now, let's look at this commitment. He says, who is given as a pledge of our inheritance. Now, the Holy Spirit is called the pledge of our inheritance. This word is amazing, okay? Because this word pledge, first we talk about this, the permanence from the word seal, correct? Then we see this other layer, which is the Holy Spirit of promise, correct? Now he says it's a pledge. And the word pledge, arabon, could mean pledge, guarantee, engagement ring, down payment. I like, I like engagement ring. Okay? Isn't that nice? It was used from uh, uh, Phoenician traders. They would use this word when they would promise delivery of said cargo. Okay? It was a commercial word denoting a pledge. Some object handed over by a buyer, this is what a commentator says, by a buyer to a seller until the purchase price was paid in full. Now here's what he's saying, okay? You were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise who is given as a pledge of our inheritance. In other words, the Spirit is given as a guarantee of your everlasting and immortal, immortal life. So what you experience, the sweetness of fellowship with believers, the sweetness of fellowship in his word, the sweetness of worship to God, when the spirit is testifying to your spirit, that is an indication. I know I'm, I'm prepared for greater things. I'm prepared for an eternity with him. These are just tastes. It's kind of like dim sum when you go to a Chinese restaurant. You just get tastes. I want the meal. Give me the meal. Here's the dim sum. Okay, if it tastes like this, I want more. Right? It's just a glimmer, a taste of what is to come. And it, it, it keeps you patient for the meal, right? Right? Now, if you ever doubt, remember the gospel truth, but also remember the Holy Spirit. This is not an illusion. This is reality. Because pledges or down payments are only a small fraction of the complete payment. All the riches in Christ you experience by the Holy Spirit is only a small fraction of what you will have in your inheritance. That is eternal life. Okay. We realized when we were, when we were trying to rent a home around here, okay, uh, as we were going around, we were getting beat by other people because they were faster and they were ready. And I wasn't ready. Like other folk. So we would go and we would say, I'm interested in that. Oh, but this person already put a deposit down. So we're going to give it to them. Okay, honey. Back to the drawing board. Craigslist, Trulia. So I'm looking at these homes, right? And then we go, okay, well, let's go take a look at that home. We go look at that home. Oh, they, we already showed it, and it's already been given away. Why? Because they put the deposit down. I said, well, what about me? I'm a, I'm a nice guy. Do you like me? Well, we like you, but you didn't put a deposit down. You understand? The deposit makes, you, makes someone know that they're serious. And that they're committed to completing what they said. Correct? Very, very simple, right? Put your money where your what? 
where your mouth is. It's very simple, correct? God the Father, listen, sends his Spirit, who is God as well, to his people to commit to you that what I said will take place and I'm not going to go back and I'm going to complete your salvation and all your efforts and all your serving and all that you've done for me and even in your failures, I will complete. I am serious. I put my money where my mouth is. I give you my spirit. Amen. Amen. Now, With a view to the redemption of God's own possession. Now he uses this term. It's also used in First uh, Peter two nine own possession, which means um, here's a quote from a commentator: the Spirit functions as the guarantee of believers' inheritance, looking toward or vouching for God's full redemption of that for which He has made His down payment. Final deliverance by God means is taking full and complete possession of those who already become his. In other words, he says here, with a view to the redemption of God's own possession, he gives his spirit, okay, and he will finally, fully complete the redemption story by taking what is already his. Do you understand? He's already paid for it in full, and he's given a down payment as well. And he's just going there to go pick up what is his. And that is you. Isn't that amazing? He's done. Listen, he's not done with you. He's put his pledge, his engagement ring upon your hand, his Arabon. The Holy Spirit himself to claim you. You are his and he is yours. And how do you sense this? It's, have you noticed that believing in the gospel is the objective truth? The Spirit is objectively, yes, in you and dwells in you, but you are able to sense this. Romans chapter 8. You're saying, Angelo, you're talking weird. Look at Romans chapter 8. I want to show you this text. Romans chapter 8. This is an amazing text. How does he do this? How do you know how do you know you're saved? How do you know know you're saved? I believe in the gospel. I believe that I believe that is my only hope, but you know what? The spirit himself also testifies to you. Notice in uh, Romans chapter 8. He says here. For all who are being led, verse 14, by the spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. Here's what happens, okay? God the Spirit frees us. We're no longer slaves. But notice he says here, verse 16, look very carefully, okay? The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit, that we are children of God. And if children, heirs also, here it is, here's that in inheritance language, okay? Heirs of God, do you see that? 
heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, so that we may also be glorified with him. In other words, here's what he's saying. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit. Now, what is spirit? Okay, we know that the first spirit is the Holy Spirit. Okay. What is spirit the second time? Small s. Spirit is that which is immaterial in man. Okay. It is the feelings and the emotions and the intellect and the will that you don't see behind my face. It is back. You might see me express it through my face. But those, that is what composes the seat of who you are. The Bible calls it heart sometimes. The Bible calls it mind sometimes. Right? This is the very seat of who you are. And this is why when someone passes on and dies and is in the coffin, we say, she is not there anymore. Right? Well, what do you mean? Her body's there. No, no, no. She's not there. What do you mean? Person, the seat, the spirit is not there anymore. Okay? So all this to say okay, that the immaterial portion of man, that which is inside, okay, God, uh, God has composed you of material and immaterial. Your immaterial is spirit. Here's what the text says. Okay? He says that the spirit himself, okay, God himself, he doesn't leave it to one of his angels. He doesn't leave it to one of his, uh, uh, one of his uh, servants. He says, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that is internal that we are children of God. And if children, heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. Well, what does that mean? It means that you know theologically and by the gospel that you're saved by the cross because you've put your faith in Christ. That's why he starts it that way in Ephesians chapter 1. But there is this subjective element of Christianity that is fantastic, that is superb. That is God walking with you. And what this text says is that the Holy Spirit, yes to each one of you who know Christ, the Holy Spirit tells you inside, tells your immaterial soul, such that you are convinced you are a child of God. And that now I am an heir of God and joint heir with Christ. And I know for a fact that when I die, it's not the end. You are a child of God, sealed by the Spirit. Is that amazing? Lastly, Celebrate your security through worship. Celebrate your security through worship. In Ephesians chapter 1, let's go back there. In Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 14, it says, Who is given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of His glory. It says, to the praise of his glory, the motivation is not simply to be saved. God doesn't want you to know that the Spirit seals you simply so that you can say, well, now I'm protected. Now I have this safe room in myself. And now I'm going to have it. It's not simply to be saved. It is the same motivation as to why God does anything at all. It is for what? His glory. 
and his fame to the praise of his glory. Now, as we end, here's, I just have some questions. Okay? Do you feel as if sometimes you won't finish this race? Are you scared of loss? Does the fear of loss paralyze you to move forward? Remember, you're safe in God. He wants you to be completely convinced. Therefore, his spirit resides in you. He gives you his word and he gives you his spirit. God does not want you to live a fearful, cowardly life. He has already secured your salvation. Go and live boldly for Christ, being fully convinced of his eternal protection of your salvation. He has proven this on the cross. And he continues to prove this by his spirit. Father, thank you. Thank you. We are, we have doubts. We're honorary folk. It's amazing that you would continue to convince us of, of the glories of Christ. Continue to convince us of your, by your spirit. Continue to convince us that we are sealed in him. It's amazing. You want us to be secure. Oh, Father, help us to live secure lives in Christ. Brave lives. We ask, thank you for the Father, the Son, and the Spirit's work in our salvation. Thank you, in Jesus' name. Amen.